0: So today, in the next coming 30 minutes, we will talk about the trends that we see are the most critical and what actions to take for RevOps and revenue-generating roles for 2023. I hope that that is your expectations when you have signed up for this webinar. So what we're going to talk about today is one trend each from us, the panelists, and we are also thrilled to get to know you guys more. Uh, if you have any questions, please put them in the chat. We will try to take them as we are going forward and also we will have an open discussion in the end Uh, and we actually do have some questions from you guys already. So before we jump into the trends uh, Lotta would you start to talk a little bit shortly about who you are and what your company uh,
1: is doing? Yeah, of course. So my name is Lotte and I'm a co-founder and SaaS lead here at Helium B2B. Um, Helium B2B specializes in uh, doing B2B marketing and sales for SaaS companies and manufacturing companies. And I'm in charge of everything SaaS related. Um, I have previously worked as head of marketing in a SaaS uh, company and also on the company side before that uh, and have worked on HubSpot for eight years, so I know a lot about uh, SaaS automations uh, as well. Wonderful. Thank you so
0: much for joining and contributing with your expertise. Alexander, you are next. Uh,
2: so, hello. Alexander Mason worked the last 15 years within the SaaS industry in different revenue roles. Uh, right now at Retriever, which is the market leader in the Nordics for communication monitoring and insight services when it comes to earned uh,
3: content, so PR industry basically.
0: Thank you so much, love to have you here. Mikko?
3: Hi everyone, Mikko is my name, one of the co-founders of Vainu. We're building a company database and uh, nowadays I work as a product manager for the global global database. We have lots of RevOps people as, as users and customers and that's why the whole topic is uh, something that I I like a lot.
0: Wonderful. And a uh, spoiler alert, this was also be uh, an episode from your podcast, right?
3: Exactly. So we have Don't Blame the CRM podcast where we talk about <laughs> all things rev-up. So definitely we'll use this as a, one of the episodes.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining, Miko. It's a great pleasure. And me myself, my name is Vilma, I'm one of the co-founders to Q SuperQ. We are a uh, uh, a CPQ tool that is connected to the rest of your ecosystem and uh, non-depending on what CRM or EAP that you are using. And my background is that I've been working on uh, um, companies scaling fast, such as UpSales, Get Accept uh, within sales and partnerships. So I'm really thrilled about today's discussion. So what will we actually do today, guys? We will talk about our top trends, right? So we will talk about this and this and this. And of course, have the open discussion that we already talked about. So now, Lotte, all over to you. Uh, Go
1: ahead with your trend. Yeah, so my trend is that you need to integrate your SaaS platform to CRM to leverage the the power of product-led growth. Um, So in a lot of SaaS companies, you will have been working a lot with sales-led growth. And now a lot of SaaS companies are... Uh, looking towards to actually have their product build the growth for them. Um, And the goal here is actually to uh, reduce a lot of friction and to focus on the customer experience, right? So if you are a SaaS company and you're utilizing both freemium, and free trials model, you can models uh, on your SaaS platform, then you can actually collect a lot of data to leverage the power of uh, PLG. So if you integrate your SaaS platform, let's say you have a freemium model that you built um, your SaaS uh, around, then you can integrate that to your CRM and you can start utilizing some of the data. So let's see that you can see when was the first login as a freemium, then you can build activation flows based on automation. Uh, You can also see what was the recent login. So you can see if there has been any platform activity. Then you can do reactivation flows if you have a lot of freemiums that uh, don't really make it to the activation part uh, of of the the freemium subscription, right? And then you can also set up different tier limits. So I work with a lot of different SaaS companies. And what we have done with some of these uh, freemium models is that we have set up tier limits Um, where we then can prompt to paid upgrades. So let's say that you work with uh, translation software and you have a freemium model where... Uh, people can go in and get words translated, or they can build content themselves, and then, um, then they can translate it or do a localization. And then in the freemium model, they have 5,000 words of translation. So if we have this tier limit built in, then we can build automated flows, um, actually to prompt the users that they're soon ready to uh, a paid upgrade. Um, Then you can also utilize all this data for lead scoring. So which of your freemiums are closer to being ready to uh, upgrade? And of course, you can also build specific in-app product tours based on where they've already been inside the product. So that's a lot of the wins for really uh, integrating your SaaS uh, platform with your CRM. There is, of course, also some some pitfalls. So if you want to transition to product-led growth, Um, It will be uh, a hard change for some uh, companies due to some legacy legacy culture for sales, because now we need to sell on the terms of the user instead of uh, on the terms of the salespeople, right? And then, of course, there is the pitfall of product development not being able to keep up. So if you want to build everything um, based on your product and your product needs to be what is actually driving the sales... Then you also need to be uh, heading up the game when it comes to product development. And then, of course, if you're building a freemium model, you need to go all the way and give everything uh, until your tier limit. So I see a lot of SaaS companies that build freemiums where they only give uh, a little part of their product. But actually, to utilize freemium, you need to give it all. And then you need to have the tier limits to work with instead. And then you can utilize that data um, to build some different uh, flows,
3: I think there's one upside, additional upside, <clears throat> which is that in today's world, I feel salespeople, they need to be really good, uh, really, really good at their products. They have to be product experts. And if okay. you integrate that type of usage data into the CRM and then that data basically defines when it's time for them to reach out and get involved. You have to understand the product because you get very product-specific KPIs. I'm just thinking, for example, our solution, you need to understand the API calls and what it actually means uh, regarding the integrations. You need to know what are the specific features if those are the ones we track in the CRM and those are the ones that sort of trigger the sales action. So I think that's an additional upside if if you integrate use its data into CRM.
0: Exactly. Alexander, uh, Alexander, do you have any point of view? I see your your thinking at least. <laughs> do you have some thoughts about this?
3: I actually
2: disagree with uh, Miko. Uh, I think today's sales reps need to be brilliant storytellers because the product will change so often. So if they're going to be product knowledgeable, uh, when I have looked at my sales reps, I can see that sales reps that are good storytellers sell their deals are three times bigger than my best product sellers because they sell, the the storytellers sell to the budget holders and the product sellers sell to the users. That's just my experience.
1: Interesting point of view. I think there's also a part of thinking enterprise sales uh, or not because product led growth is really great. Um, to, to cover like mid-market and up. But if we want to do enterprise sales, we will still need some really skilled salespeople, but we need those salespeople uh, to, to leverage the data uh, to become the great storytellers, right? Okay, we have to move on
0: uh, to your trend,
1: Miku. Uh But thank
0: you so much. Uh, and thank you for not agreeing with each other. That is great. So Miko,
3: Yes. So from siloed ops to centralized ops, that's the trend. And what it means, also a little bit like like Lotte did, I think I, I come with SaaS software as a service background. So this applies to SaaS companies mainly. But I feel that lots of companies are going through sort of the same journey and same uh, steps when they, when they create RevOps. Most of the companies already have sales ops, in place and that's typically a function that is focusing on mainly new business trying to optimize the new business process and implementing playbooks and and following up that people use the crm the right way quite often the first sales ops person is the one who was pretty good at sales or really good at sales but especially was really good at using the crm and, and sort of following the playbook so then you have sales ops in place and then i think on the marketing side when teams started to grow and you uh, brought in growth marketeers and uh, growth hacking people, at some point, maybe without you even noticing it, someone was sort of putting a lot of focus on data and analytics, and then you sort of had marketing ops in in place, and then CFO often had someone who was really good at Excel, like analyzing lots of numbers, and uh, that role started to. Uh, expand into more go-to-market related topics as well. They started thinking about pricing and conversion and all these topics. And then you sort of have finance ops in place. And I think the last one is customer success. So CS people, when they they saw that new business people have their own sales ops person who is helping them out with data and and playbooks and, and implementing new things, they started asking that, hey, we also need someone who is focusing on CS ops. And then that's typically the sort of the fourth um, siloed ops function. And I think now nowadays, lots of companies are putting these four individuals or four teams under one umbrella. And that's revenue ops. I don't think that the name of the team is always RevOps. In the US, it is. In the Nordics, it might be something different. But I think most companies are following that path, especially in in SaaS. And I think it's a trend and and, uh, there's most likely an interesting reason behind it because you can can then look at the whole revenue journey and not just sub-optimize one part of the customer journey. So I think that's one of the trends and also my suggestion uh, for most companies to do it that way.
0: Alexander, you've been working on both the Swedish and the US market and the global market. Uh, What's your point on this?
2: I I fully agree with Nico here. And I think another way to look at it is if I look at from a retriever's perspective, we have been very successfully in growing local businesses organically. But that has made us into silos when it comes to countries where we're maximizing the revenue in each country. And the world isn't countries, it's digital today. So we need to begin to look at it from a from a whole company view as well so that's another aspect of it but it's more just a, saying that it's the same trend
3: i think it's a really good point that those silos sometimes are not departments but they can be also countries i think it's a very good point
1: how how is your view on breaking down the silos miko to to centralize the
3: ops yeah i think well I think there's lots of sort of trends that are supporting it, that why it makes sense. PLG, product-led growth, is one, because you start getting a lot more data. And then also in these days, everyone, this year, everybody talks about the importance of retention and and existing customers. So I think CFOs and chief revenue officers and CEOs, they just feel that we can't just optimize new business or CS or marketing. We need to see the whole picture. Uh, I think then it helps if you have ideally not... Too many different tools where you orchestrate all this. I know your customers a lot that they do this mainly uh, in in HubSpot platform, and you can do most of this ops stuff uh, in HubSpot or in Salesforce and other solid um CRMs. Um, but of course, it's a lot of lot of hard work. One additional is thing is that I think this opens up lots of exciting opportunities for more senior people to join SaaS companies. I think there will be lots of RevOps professionals who come with management consulting background. And maybe before RevOps, yes, some management consultants joined strategy teams and, and maybe CFO office, but I think there's going to be lots of people joining from those companies and they will join fast growing SaaS businesses and and sort of create the RevOps function for them.
0: Yeah, very interesting point of view. Uh, thank you so much for that. And we all Know that Alexander, you are doing a lot of the stuff we are talking about today, and now we are curious about your
2: trend. Uh, so, basically, to speak Swedish, I'm a little bit humble and say that there were very many ways to row. But if we look at Retriever, we have chosen a strategy that is customer centric, uh, and you need to pick a strategy and stick to it for, because it takes time to implement the strategy. Uh, so, we many of our competitors are global and they have more developers than us and they have more sales reps than us and they—you know it's hard to compete on their terms. So what we can do is that we can have a better knowledge about the Nordic market than our global competitors. And by better knowledge, I mean that we need to look at the customer surveys, the user data of the interface, our sales data, our competitor data for the Nordics, and also add our knowledge of the, Nordic industry trends, etc. Because we have more customers—at least Retriever—because we're market leader in the Nordic than our global competitors. So as long as we leverage the data and focus on that, we can outcompete our uh, global competitors, even though we have less resources. But with that said, we don't want to turn into <laughs> data sort of robots. Our customers love our staff and it. we need to have that kind of middle ground where we let people be people and interact with other people in the best possible way at the right moments and not create robots. And to figure that out, that is, that's something that's pretty hard. Uh, but if we get it right, if we interact with the customers at the right point in the right way and provide the data and the product that they need, then we have profitable growth that is really hard to to compete with Uh, the the nordic market is small in comparison to global so we need to take care of the customers we have we need to have high retention people in the nordic speak to each other so you can't just sell something move on and sell to the next you need to Mm. deliver on your promises
1: lotte what's your take on this I think that uh, what we all have been covered now is that it all boils down to data, right? So when you talk B2B, it's really complex buying journeys. And that means that the sales cycle is also longer. So you need to utilize the data to give the best customer experience. But B2B is also about trust, and it's about building relationships. So I like the part that Alexander said about, we need still, you know, they like to interact with us, we need to build the relationships as well. Um, and the data can really help you map out that buyer's journey. So I think uh, data, one thing you need to, you know, have the whole buyer's journey from marketing to sales to service. Uh, and what I would recommend is that you share the same system, uh, because then you don't have any broken ends. Um, and then of course, course, we need to figure out when do we um, when do we reach out, when do we talk to our customers at the the right uh, time in the buyer's journey.
3: I think this also highlights the role of revops or whoever sort of is the CRM main admin, assuming that CRM is is one of the places where you store that customer data, because whatever you track, whatever properties or data fields you create in, in CRM, basically, those are the options you have when it comes to creating campaigns and uh, for sales and marketing. So I think there's lots of um, power and also big responsibility that lies in the hands of whoever oversees uh, CRM and decides what the data is, is collected and stored in the CRM.
1: Yeah, I would say like CRM is the the backbone of doing really great revops, right? Because CRM is also where you get the feedback between the uh, different departments. So we can give uh, if we keep handing over SQLs that are not really a good fit or not matching the ICP, then uh, the sales uh, department can can give feedback and saying it's a you know unqualified lead and give a reason why it's an unqualified lead. But also if we have deals that are being created, and we are losing them, we need to start tracking why we are losing deals. And even if we're losing deals on features, we need to give that feedback back to product development and say, we need to do this integration, we need to do this plugin. And once it's done, we can give that feedback to marketing, and then they can start uh, building campaigns uh, to those companies that they actually lost due to this integration or plugin. Um, So it's All around, again, the data and the feedback and the centralized um, way of working.
2: I think just one point there as well. I think we need to uh, extend the customer journey to also include the renewal. Because once we get to renew customers up there to 95, 96%, then, then we're building a really scalable business.
0: Good, uh, good last words for your trend, Alexander. Thank you so much, everyone, for sharing. Now I'm super nervous trying to contribute in this uh, high-level discussion, at least in my sense, but uh, I'll try. I'll try. Uh, and uh, my trend would be not that innovative maybe, but we do have a switch focus from growth by all costs to risk reduction and profitability enabling actions. We see that we have a lot of VC firms, uh, we have... Uh, who have invested a lot in company that's scaling fast. We see big uh, hands-off and turns-off, and we see also how the market has been really struggling for tech for some while now. So this isn't something new. I'm super aware of that. But what is the actions that we what we do see and what we have to take uh, to ensure that we can continuing growing and maybe switching actually to something more sound and a, a sound business where profit actually uh, is something that we're striving for so a couple of things here that I see that we did earlier and what we're doing now is that it was much more new business focus uh, and it was onboarding new people. It was buying new tools. Now we see much more, especially when we talk to customers implementing CPQ, you you are going uh, from uh, uh, having um, or you're going to at least I should say to have a much more smooth journey, both internally and externally. And that more or less hopefully sums everything up that we've been talking about today, that we have this customer obsession. We need to have it. And that means that we are asking, should we really buy this too? How could we reduce risk Uh, within our full operation, how can we ensure that we minimize uh, wrongs and not only on board the new people to engage our colleagues that have been working for us for years and making sure we get the maximize of them and also a little bit what you talked about just now, Alex, the renewals. So, uh, well, Alex, what do you think about this? What is your point of view?
2: I think that there's not neither or when we talk about onboarding customers or onboarding people internally. I think if you can't onboard people great internally, you Mm -hmm. won't onboard people externally. So I think it's a win-win situation. And going back to what Lotte said about the backbone, I really think a good uh, CRM system with a plug-and-play CPQ Mm -hmm. so that we sell the right product so that we know which product we've actually sold just makes onboarding internal people better but also in um, um, getting customers and users on board. Mm. What I'm trying thing. to,
0: yeah, think when I'm trying to. What my point is is we're switching much more to quality, and I wouldn't say that it was quantity before, but at least now quality is very important. What would you say, Lotte, about this?
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think it also comes down to ways of working, uh, processes and stuff, uh, back to the CRM as the backbone, right? So mm-hmm. I have been working, of course, with a lot of SaaS companies. And I think that Miko and I discussed it on a podcast uh, a few weeks back that he yeah. asked me, uh, so in, in all the CRM systems you have worked with the last two years, how many has been in good shape? And I would say two out of ten. <laughs> uh so so ways of working and really processes and how are we you know how do we want to build this journey both internally but also externally for our uh, clients and how do we want to nurture them which data do we want to um catch which data do we want to work with and how do we actually enable that data to uh, to grow right because you can really grow if you have all the right processes put in place but every time you do something um in a new way without documenting it or testing it, it can end up you know screwing up some of the things that you have already put in place. So back to really optimizing for growth, I, I think uh really determines the ways of working and and, and the processes as well. I
3: had a, I had a chance to <clears throat> visit Saster, which is SaaS community meetup. It was last last fall in 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 the us and i think we were interviewing people uh there i think almost all of them they said that like the trend back then was that it's basically switching from growth at all costs to growth at reasonable cost and if that's the trend i think then it actually has big impact on the role of revops because then you need to start looking at really what is the ICP, like so that you sell to the very best customers, you need to make the most out of every ICP lead, meaning that you need to most likely pay even more attention to lead scoring and and all these processes. So I think that also means that RevOps is then putting more focus on quality, just like you said, and not Mm -hmm. just trying to optimize quantity, whatever uh, the cost might be.
1: I think it's also Mm. about, you know, reducing the friction. Um, So reducing the friction for the customer as well, especially talking SaaS, like you need to reduce the friction in your free trial, in your freemium. You know, you need to give it all away, let them really test, compare, use the product, and then they will pay if they have a good experience. So every time you put a paywall up or every time they need to unlock a new feature uh, and they can't do it, you know, you're, you're just, um, you know, you're, you're ruining their experience inside the product. So you also need to be brave and you need to, if you trust in your product, you need to put it out there. Um, and Alex, I know that you and I are more <laughs> from another point
0: of view, PLG point of view. We love it, uh, PLG. I, I dare to say that for both of us, but uh, maybe you have another point of view, a bit of this.
2: Not, not really. I'm, I'm always thinking about what you said. I'm a little bit slow. So I'm coming back to what you said about uh, growth at all costs or not. And if I look at that, Retriever has always grown um, organically and with its own money. So for us, it has always been important to grow cost efficiently. But it's really hard when you compete against competitors that don't need to grow profitable. Uh, and we can right. definitely see that the competitive market is harder now to find new money so that our competitors are beginning to price it so that it actually makes sense which means that it becomes a lot easier for us or a lot easier mm. might not be the correct word but a more level playing field
0: i love something that i learned that get accept do more with less and if i would to summarize my trend with something that is what i would like to people to remember to do more with less and erase frictions and uh, create more smoothness. And thank you for, for contributing to my trend. And we have some questions actually actually from from the audience, and we only have a few minutes left. We have four trends here, and I know that everyone looking at the screen right now are, are reading really rapidly, guessingly. and also uh, when you listen to the podcast, you're wondering what are the questions. So should we choose at least one of these? Uh, uh, the, the word is freeze. Would anyone like to answer some of these questions?
3: I can, I can start. There's a question, how to book meetings without using the phone or email. Uh, I mean, I landed a meeting uh, this week simply by being active in one of the communities. There's lots of online communities, quite often they are Slack groups. For example, I'm part of quite a few RevOps communities, and then there's lots of discussion going on. And if you contribute and if you engage, every now and then there's also a business opportunity. And then, of course, you have the person on Slack. So then you're not using phone or email, but one of these community tools. So that's one way of uh, doing it. And then, of course, the whole PLG, product-led growth, providing the app um, as a free Uh, free tool so that you have lots of users and then you use to use its data just like Lotte said and that's the moment when you reach out um, and you can do it for example as an in-app chat instead of phone and email.
0: Really brilliant. Lotte do you want to answer one of the trends I know that we we haven't really prepared for this but you I'd love to hear your thoughts on anything of it.
1: Yeah, so there is one that says how to develop recurring revenue in a SaaS business. Um, And of course, almost all SaaS business, they are looking for a really great monthly recurring revenue or annual recurring revenue, right? Um, So of course, uh, I would back again to the PLG, if you want to develop really great recurring revenue, you need to, of course, invest in your uh, product development. So you, you, you need to, you know, build out new features, new plugins, new integrations, because if you want people to continue to use your product, right, you need to develop ongoing on your product. That is one thing. Um, also, second, if you want to develop really great recurring revenue, you need to let people on to your product, like a really great freemium or free trial, so they can start using the product. Um, and then, you know, really, you um, also get them to love the product uh, and then they will upgrade because they need it in their everyday life, right? But if you wanna do it in the, you need to do it in the right way and in the right ways to give it all and then start working with some tier limits that will enable you to actually build this recurring revenue. Because I think that a lot of SaaS companies have built uh, freemium models, but they haven't really thought about how to turn the freemiums into paying customers or how to use the data to build activation or reactivation flows. So there is also another question about setting up the right KBIs. And if we're talking about freemiums, one really important KBI is, of course, how many freemiums um, you have, but actually how many are active, because you can have a lot of freemiums without having active freemiums. So back to enabling the data to build uh, reactivation, activation flows, um, upgrade flows, yeah.
0: Alexander, I know that you guys uh, work a lot about increasing your NPS, and we have a question here regarding KPIs and key results uh, that's usually associated with RevOps, it says. Do you have any thoughts about this question?
2: Yeah, I actually do. I don't think there's a silver bullet. There's not one KPI that fits all companies. You need to go back to your strategy. Uh, And as you said, um, we at Retriever have chosen to be customer-centric. So then it becomes really important for us to follow how happy our customers are with our services. With that said, there is one thing as a RevOps officer that I probably always have a little bit of a look at. That is how, how many customer meetings do our sales reps have with our customers, prospects, etc.? Because at the end of the day, if meetings make deals.
3: You need to talk to people. You need to interact with them. So that's probably what I would say. Can I quickly add my two cents on the topic? I think RevOps KPIs, I don't think most RevOps teams have their own unique um, separate KPIs. I think they mainly follow company KPIs. And that's why they actually report to CFO, CEO, or Chief Revenue Officer, because they look at the whole uh, revenue journey. If I had to pick one, I would say for SaaS companies that it's net revenue retention, and then optimize that. And if if you do a good job, and you can have an impact on that, positive impact on that, you're doing a good job, I feel.
0: Thank you so much, everyone. The time has unfortunately run out. Uh, I hope that you that have listened to this uh, live or in a podcast show or in a recording, I hope that you got what you wished for. And we thank you so much for, for joining. And thank you, Miko, Lotte, and Alexander, not least, of course, to sharing your expertise. Thank you thank so much. You. Take care. Bye. Bye.